Today, Keith, Nate, and I sit down and we discuss the big merger between Schwab and TD Ameritrade, the ramifications of the announcement for our clients and for registered investment advisors as a whole. You gotta leave your money behind you. Raise your hand to the sky. Today we had a big announcement in the brokerage industry. Two giants in the industry, TD Ameritrade and Schwab, have agreed on a merger. Today we are going to discuss what that all means for our clients potentially, what that means for the industry as a whole, as well as how it impacts RAA or registered investment advisory firms. So Keith, uh, let's Let's go through the logistics of the deal. What happened? Well, uh, one of the things that we've kind of talked about, we, we went live with a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, around October 1st, everybody um, kind of said, oh, uh, let's go to zero on trading costs. And uh, Nate, I think you had predicted that, that this would probably drive down uh, stock prices for these firms. TD is more dependent on kind of commissions from trading revenues than than Charles Schwab is. So their stock price went down a little bit more. And uh, just kind of quoting here from Bloomberg's money stuff, uh, you know, Schwab uh, announced on October 1st to cut commissions on retail brokerage trades to zero. This decision cost Schwab some money and pushed its stock down a bit, though it quickly recovered. But it also forced uh, other discount brokerages, including Ameritrade, to cut their commissions to zero. Ameritrade got a lot more of its revenue from commissions than Schwab did, and the immediate result was that uh, Ameritrade's stock fell further than Schwab's did and stayed down longer. So it made it a lot cheaper for Schwab to buy Ameritrade using its own stock as currency. Uh, or as, as the author put it, Schwab tanked Ameritrade stock price and then got to buy it on the cheap. It was still $26 billion, I think, is, is moving around um, to, buy, to buy Ameritrade for Schwab. Um, and the combined company will operate under the, the Schwab name. Kind of a kind of a big deal. Uh, the, I think they're going to have combined seventy one percent of the assets uh, under management in the kind of independent uh, broker dealer space, um, which is you know quite a bit. And I think also sets up the fact that we want to talk about today that the announcement of a deal does not mean it's a done deal by any means. Yeah, I think that's a good a good point to bring up. Is there's still a lot of water to go under the bridge. Um, in regard to antitrust um, kind of gauntlets, if you will, that they have to run through and, and uh, come out the other side before it's official, official. Uh, but it definitely is making a lot of uh, media headlines. And, you know, all in all, uh, for us specifically on how we do business every day, we're not doing business different today than we did on Friday or likely won't be do- doing business different next week than we did this week. Yeah, but it will have some impacts in our industry. And I think we'll talk about some of the positives uh, and the potential you know, drawbacks that it has to have one of these. And as Keith indicated, this is a behemoth um, in our industry, this, this sort of formation of this super firm in our industry. In the general landscape of brokerage houses, they're large, but they also compete with another, a number of other ones that uh, you know, are part of that space as well. If we talk about kind of the global assets that are managed, it's a big firm bought you could see the antitrust thing running from both ways. You could see it in our industry saying, boy, that's a, 
that's almost a monopoly as far as a custodian goes. And when we talk about custodians, it's like Schwab and Fidelity and TD Ameritrade and, you know, interactive brokers, interactive brokers and Pershing. others. Yeah, yeah exactly. Pershing, right? That's exactly right. So there's always different, you know, houses, this custodians, but then there's also, uh, you know, competition between TD Ameritrade, Schwab, Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, uh, Edward Jones, and all these other places too. So, you know, it depends on what sort of lens you're going to use uh, to look at it from an antitrust perspective. If you're looking at it solely from the financial universe, I would argue that there's not a lot of antitrust issues here. If you looked at it with a lens of the registered investment advisor space, I think there's significant concerns that I would have on antitrust. So it all depends on how uh, the regulators are going to look at this and whether or not it actually gets done. And they're talking about the second half of, of 2020, having this combined entity come together. Yeah. And let's take a step back here and, and kind of um, unpack this a little bit. So first of all, there's a lot of people out there that, that, uh, that don't know even, <laughs> I would assume don't know what we're talking about because they don't know what a custodian is or kind of what role they play. So let's just start there. Um, and I'll just, I'll give a 30 second spiel kind of on, on what they do for firms like ours. And then we can um, kind of talk more about what this merger then actually means. So the custodian in a relationship like ours within a firm like ours uh, holds our client's assets and then also um, provides us the platform with which to uh, make trades, rebalance accounts. Um, you know, they, they provide the tax documents, they provide the monthly statements. So they do a lot of the back office. They're kind of the gatekeepers, if you will. Uh, and they also uh, provide an important uh, regulatory role to make sure that um, nothing nefarious is happening and that um, clients can have confidence that their advisors are are behaving the way they should, or at least it provides that extra layer of, of kind of regulation to make sure that that's being done uh, correctly. Because so, the accounts are held outside of their own institution. So, for example... TD Ameritrade's accounts are held outside of Walkner Condon. They're not Walkner Condon domiciled accounts. Yeah, it's a great point, and that's that's uh, one of the distinctions, if you will, of, of um, you know using a custodian, excuse me, a custodian versus not, is that the assets are are held at the custodian's house, if you will, as opposed to um, within the the financial planning firm's house. I mean, it, it's it's changed a lot that we're in this digital era, right? But it used to be like that's where the stock certificates you could imagine, right. you know, being in, in the TD Ameritrade vault, right. Or the Charles Schwab vault, that's where they would be held instead of maybe in our, in our office. Right. Um, and that's, I think a, a big shift of it. I mean, one of the things about being an RIA, a registered independent advisor is the custodian works for us in some sense, right? We don't work for the custodian. Uh, some of us, you know, here have worked at other firms where we worked with a particular broker dealer. Here we choose our custodian and we've chosen a couple of custodians, right? We have TD Ameritrade, but we also have interactive brokers for certain uses and certain clients. And that's one of the advantages of being independent, I think. So one thing that I think we should assure all of our clients is that whatever kind of transpires in this, we they and we still have the power to adjust and, and change if we see this is no longer the best solution for our clients. And that could be a positive or a negative as far as this merger is concerned with this sort of new Schwab entity that gets birthed out of this uh, sort of merger. You know, is it going to be a, 
you know, a tremendous asset to be able to take their depth and breadth of experience, expertise, and all the different offerings that they have? Is that going to be a positive or are we going to look at it from uh, a more negative lens in that now perhaps service levels uh, go down a little bit? Um, these economies of scale end up not kind of panning out as they should. And are we going to see less competition in this space so that if we wanted to go to a different custodian, um, you know, what's the ease in doing that um, and making that switch? And also what is other custodian going to offer? So these are some of the things that we're looking at um, and going to see how this all integrates, particularly on the technology side. I think this is the most important thing from my perspective when I look at this is what is going to happen to some of our tools that we have now that TD Ameritrade offers. Are they going to be offered at Schwab and in what uh, format? Yeah, I think on a, on a day-to-day um, kind of point of view, uh, maybe a good analogy for the custodian in, in the whole relationship is the custodian is basically the referee of a football game. You know, they say a well-refereed football game is one where you never notice the referees. And I, and I think that's a pretty good comparison for what a custodian does. In other words, if we go through and do the things that we need to do for our clients, our clients should hopefully never really notice, um, you know, a great deal of the, the inner workings of a custodian because that means they're doing a good job i.e. they're not charging a lot of fees, they're not getting in the way of being able to do um, the kind of business that our clients want us to do, uh, even down to the extent of doing required minimum distributions and things like that. You know, the custodian's easy to work with and they don't require a great deal for us to be able to um, kind of do what we need to do and then also not having to burden our clients with a lot of, um, you know, a lot of steps that they need to take to get done what they want to get done. So if Schwab decides to uh, become more burdensome or notice to become more noticed in the transactions of our clients, um, that's where it's a very important distinction that Keith made that we do not work for the custodian. The custodian technically works for us, again, specifically to our firm. When Clinton and I established the firm, we looked at Schwab, TD, and Fidelity uh, as to who we were going to go with, and we chose to go with TD Ameritrade. And we do have the ability within the firm if we uh, decide to switch to different different custodian now. The clients would have to sign off. There would have to be a lot of conversation about that. So that's not just a light switch that we would just decide to flip one day. Uh, but rest assured, that is something that we will be looking at um, you know, pretty closely in this merger to determine whether or not this ended up being better for our clients, worse for our clients, or more or less net neutral. Yeah, and I would say that I would rather not go through the paperwork. So the burden of... Uh, you know, there would be, have to be some major red flags for us to switch custodians, I would say, uh, just speaking from generalities. And uh, furthermore, I'd say, I mean, Schwab is a very respected name in the industry. Uh, the reason why we didn't select them out of the bat, uh, you know, right out of the bat was twofold, really. Number one, uh, they oftentimes require uh, assets to be brought in the door. We were uncertain as to what sort of assets we were going to bring over, and that threshold kind of got higher and higher. So TD was known as being very friendly towards startups uh, when we started out. And, and secondarily, uh, TD Ameritrade was seen as having much better technology than Schwab at the time. I think that arms race, uh, Schwab having the resources that it has, they have caught up significantly. They did not have a lot of software integrated with their particularly uh, their particular, um, you know, their kind of system that they built, and now they have a lot more integration. So Schwab and TD are converging kind of at the right time, I would say, technology-wise, with these open APIs and uh, you know, techno- and data sharing. So I would say that Schwab has caught up significantly to TD Ameritrade in that regard. So that's a positive. 
Well, and I, I would say as well that uh, undoubtedly one of the reasons that TD was still, I mean, uh, Schwab doesn't have anything like Guy Rebal, any of a lot of the, the back-end tools that we use every day. And I think those things um, uh, end up, you know, being very important for the day-to-day. Um, and so it could be been a big part of the attractiveness of TD Ameritrade versus E-Trade or elsewhere for Schwab in terms of who they're going to purchase. Yeah, you used Schwab before, yep. uh, Keith, in a, in a prior life. And so um, I guess you, you're alluding to the fact that they didn't have anything like iRebel. We use iRebel extensively for a number of years with our clients. That's just rebalancing software. Hopefully we're going to integrate that into the Schwab offering. Um, that, that was a really important thing for us that uh, came to fruition and saved us a ton of time. So we're really hoping that that is maintained. That would be a, a major downside if that was not brought over to the Schwab ecosystem. Yeah, and I, I think it's important also to understand that um, Clinton and I, and, and, and the other people in the office here as well, but um, Clinton and I have had um, direct um, involvement uh, and participation in um, changing of companies in our former lives. Uh, we were... Um, I was going to say put through, but that's not the right way to say it. We, we were involved in um, a couple broker-dealer changes uh, of having to go through and switch our clients over. So we have experience in this area. Um, it's not something that uh, we look at uh, with a glass half empty or a glass half full perspective, uh, frankly. We look at it as a, uh, um, we'll see how this plays out. And there's a, a great opportunity for this to improve the structure uh, of the relationship with the custodian to the RA, uh, and particularly for our clients, and there's a, a chance that it uh, it makes it um, just a better overall experience for our clients. So we're hoping that that be the case. But we've been through this before uh, a few different times, and we're not we don't look at it as as something that is an oh my god what's going to happen next kind of thing. We look at it and go okay this is this is kind of normal uh, commerce. This is normal business playing itself out, and we will. Uh, you know, react when the, um, when the reaction is necessary. Yeah. I think that's uh, an important point to underline that you guys have been through this kind of change, right? Uh, maybe not a merger directly, but having seen, you know, custodian shift or, or custodial businesses move from one business to another and that, you know, that, you know, to monitor it, but you also know not to kind of freak out about it. Yeah. This is, this is what a QNET, uh, financial network, right? For you, I didn't go through that one. I went through then, that one, yeah. I went through, we both went through Financial Network to Securities America, mm-hmm. and then uh, we were on the heels of going from Securities America over to um, LPL, uh, and that's when we um, opened the firm. So we've been through this process, and it's, um, again, it's, it's, not, it's not anything at this point in the game to, to think, oh my God, negative, negative, negative. This is, this is an opportunity for a great firm to be created out of Schwab and TD Ameritrade. Yeah, and it's also going to take a long time. I think from their announcement, even that they put in, it was the integration was going to take 18 to 36 months after the close of the transaction. So you're talking about years before the two entities are even brought together. So, you know, there's no need for any of our clients to, to panic or to even, you know, lose one little minute of sleep over it because it's just going to take so long to integrate. And our due diligence process and assessing what's going on is going to take a while. And I'm very confident that they're going to come through and put together a really good institution out of all of this. And I do think we'll see an enhanced service level as far as uh, cashiering, as far as uh, potentially some loan products developed out of it. 
uh, banking products, you know, all of these firms are trying to grab more wallet share. And actually, I think that's going to be a huge net positive to a lot of people in that they're asking more of their custodian, they're going to deliver more, and they're going to deliver a broader range of services. And because Schwab is an independent firm, and so is TD Ameritrade, really, they work with independent advisors, uh, they're going to try to keep us all happy. They don't want us leaving either. So even though they're a big firm, they don't want to lose these firms. And I, I think that it's going to be a, a big positive for all the clients. And I heard, I, I can't be certain on this, but I heard the name is changing to TD Schwab Ameritradeal. Trade deal, I think. Schwab Ameritrade? Schwabial. Schwabial TD Ameritrade, I yeah. think is what it's going to be. I think, I think they're putting the be. TD right in the middle. <laughs> I, think, I think you're right. But only Schwad, the T um, t- uh, Schwad Ameritrade. Um, uh, capitalized, not yeah. the D anymore. Yeah. Just, just the T. Schwat Ameritrade. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. what it's going to be. Schwat. Eel. With Eel. an umlaut. Yes. I think it needs an umlaut. <laughs> yes, yes. That's um, not true, but I think that's... This is what would happen if they put us in charge of the marketing of it. I, I think it would be spectacular. You, uh, you know... The compliance um, corner over here says you got to show your work on that one, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, the new firm is going to be called Schwab. It's Reference Schwab. the source. And they they dropped the Charles off of it a little while ago. Yeah, yeah. So. Chuck, remember it was the the marketing thing was Chuck. What was it? Well, oh, Chuck ask, still ask appears Chuck, in the right. Yeah, he still appears in the commercials. Yeah. I mean, do you think we're going to meet Chuck now? Do you think Chuck's going to swing by the office? I've seen Chuck's house in California, and it looks like he's doing okay. Yeah, I think uh, like I think he's, he's fine. He knows where his next lunch is going to come from. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Yeah, don't yeah. think problems hitting the mortgage. I, uh, I think it's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one thing though that we we ha- that's interesting to me is whether for for my clients who live outside of the United States, or you know the the prospective clients who may live outside of the United States is the regulatory issues involved in this. Um, and it's something uh, that was that if you read an article about it, uh, kind of gets alluded to because Ameritrade uh, is partially owned by the TD part, right? Toronto Dominion Bank. Uh, and, you know, banks have a whole separate slew of regulations than uh, Schwab does, right? And so in a lot of times when we do account opening, you know, the, the checks and the security, uh, related to KYC and, and all of that are, are much more stringent than they were at Schwab, for instance, because that's an independent brokerage and it's not, you know, regulated under the same kind of laws as a bank might be. And so I'm, I'm curious if, you know, TD still owning a chunk of this business, I think they own like 43% of TD Ameritrade, you know, that may get bumped down to 1520 if that's going to affect the regulatory environment. Um, you know, Schwab has a, a has a growing global presence or, or did have a growing global presence. Uh, they've started restricting it a little bit more. I wonder how much of that is related to anticipating this kind of merger. Um, if they look at it and go, you know, one of the ways that this uh, business grows is by, um, you know, economies of scale, as you said, right? Um, we're going to manage the the combined number of assets, but we're going to do it with half as many people, two-thirds as many people, you know, eliminate redundancies. We're not going to have the expensive footprint of offices. You know, there's going to be one Schwab office here in Madison to replace a Schwab and a TD. And from that lens, you know, working with clients outside of the United States is a, a labor intensive cost intensive business and so I'm and regulatory intensive business so I'm curious if this may lead to Schwab 
the combined entity being one less option for uh, Americans outside of the United States. You know, uh, recently Interactive Brokers had said the announcement of this doesn't matter. We're pursuing our business as we always have, which is we're a global brokerage firm. Um, and so it won't matter to them. But I am curious to see that, how that holds up in the longer run. Um, and then, you know, the banking uh, aspect, maybe drawing a, a closer eye from the, the regulators and maybe shifting the, the ownership structure from that perspective. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And we'll see whether they're going to be truly a global option or whether they're going to kind of pare it down a little bit more, be less friendly towards expats, specifically, Keith, in your situation. I think that's a great thing to point out. They did announce that their headquarters is going to be in Texas. And uh, so they did kind of commit to saying that they wanted to stay in the Bay Area, but it doesn't sound like they're going to have a huge physical location in the Bay Area either. And that's where Schwab is originally from. And TD Ameritrade was uh, domiciled in Nebraska, I think it was. I think it was uh, Omaha. Omaha. Yeah. Omaha, you're right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a situation where that Omaha office is probably going to be wildly pared down or closed, and you're going to see that their uh, operations are out of Texas. So, uh, you know, that's going to be a big change for them as well, and we'll see what sort of services that provides for our clients. Uh, we always had a and we have a dedicated team to call into right now and a dedicated relationship manager, and we'll see whether or not that's going to occur. Um, Schwab, uh, Schwab does not have dedicated relationship man- managers, in my understanding, for smaller firms. Uh, so there might be a little less support for smaller firms, but fortunately we're a growing firm. So, um, you know, if we were starting out, I'd be a little concerned about this announcement. Uh, if you had $10 million in assets under management, I'd be very concerned because I don't know if Schwab is going to have the appetite to work with those sorts of uh, upstart advisors, but for a more established firm such as ourselves, uh, I think it's more, it's going to be a little bit more beneficial for us. Yeah. And again, we don't, we don't know a lot of the questions to uh, the answer, or excuse me, the answers to the questions that are floating around out there, because as Clint said earlier, um, you know, right now we're being told 18 to, to 36 months for all the dust to settle from it. And that's, you know, how that stuff goes. I mean, it could easily be 48 months, uh, so we're talking years, not necessarily weeks or months. And so uh, for us, it's it's uh, kind of business as usual here. Um, likely for the end of this year with not a lot of, of uh, you know, new um, or anticipated new um, changes or announcements coming down the pike. I'm sure there's a tremendous amount of stuff that they have to do, even just, just, just to get the deal finalized. I think they said what? Lawyers, guns, and money. Yeah, seriously. Right. Thir- third quarter of 2020. Right? Yeah. Was that right as far as yeah. when they anticipated closing? So, I mean, we're talking about, you know, almost a better part of a year I mean, just to try to get this thing to d- closing. $26 billion, do you just send a wire? I mean, how does that work? I think you write a check. Do you? I think for the is most it one part, of the – I think you have player. to do it. it it's, it's like a, a big, 14 day clear, though. It's I mean, a yeah. <laughs> Put a hold on it. Yeah. And it has to be a big novelty check, right? Right. Exactly. You, well, of course. That's why course. you have those big novelty <laughs> – Yes. Because you write it out of your big novelty yes. checkbook. Yes. Yeah. Well, that or cashier's checks. One of the two. I yeah. think you can get I think you can get cashier's checks in billions until you just show up with 26 of them and yeah. you're good. Yeah. Just one billion – here, here you go. Do you think they, they weigh more of those like billion dollar they checks? Get the, they get the judge from uh, the Monopoly game, you know, with his hat, <laughs> and he puts his rubber stamp on everything, and you're done. And that's it. I wonder if you can take a picture of it and then direct deposit it. Well, one of them. 
the mobile deposit. Really? Oh, the, that's right. Somebody's got a mobile deposit in the, the ma- check. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's not uploading. It's not uploading. Yeah. Why won't it upload? <laughs> Why is my account it's not an error. taking don't, it? Don't try to log back in. Don't hit the back button. <laughs> Uh, the deal was held up because one of them wanted to pay in nickels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. yeah. I'm, I don't know that we'll be privy to those details. Let's um, put it that yeah. I'm not exactly sure if they'll let us know. Good yeah. guess that it'll be a wire, I would figure. <laughs> yeah. Good guess. Well, no, like you said before, it'll be a stock transfer. So I, yeah. I don't even know if there'll be any money that changes hands. It yeah. might just literally be, you know, a stock, stock lot swap goes yeah. from here to there, and that's that. Lots of stock certificates. Yeah. <laughs> in the in the vault, and fortunately, we have two custodians, you know, handling this. Right, so we've so got plenty of safeguards. They have to meet halfway. <laughs> it's like uh, when they assembled the Intercontinental Railroad. The closing they... needs to take place somewhere in Colorado, between <laughs> yep. San Francisco and Omaha, equidistant. Well, this is kind of interesting. I had a friend who worked on uh, airplane transfers, and many times, if you have like a, a international airplane deal. They'll actually fly the airplane into international waters area, uh, international airspace, I guess you would call it, because then you can avoid certain transfer taxes on on oh, the transaction. So maybe they're sneaky. maybe they're you know going somewhere off of uh, you know hmm. shore where you can broad, rebroadcast uh, major league baseball games without the express written hmm. consent. Way off topic. I thought I heard at one point that back in the day they used to fly over the North Pole and they would fly from like the United States to like wherever. Yeah, you still do. They still fly. I thought they flew around. They fly over the North Pole. They go that way. They go over. It's shorter. No, right. That's I think why they did it. But now I think there was an issue with like airspace and like they don't want us flying through airspace and things like that. Is that not? Not that I've heard of. Wow, you can still go over. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, it's the shortest way. It's just too cold. At thirty thousand feet, you have to bring your down. jackets. And, yeah. How did and we get on airspace insulation. over the North international airspace? He's talking. Uh, yeah, about. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This is your fault. You brought up the, uh, uh, the international. Well, we, we're trying to figure out how do you move twenty six billion. Exactly. That's right. It had to do with monopoly. Yeah, and the judge. <laughs> yeah, and the judge. Yeah. We will be back hopefully with more information on the Schwab. What did we say it was? Schwab, Schwab Tediality. Schwab Ameritrade. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, when the information comes available again, might be a long time before uh, we have any information to report, but we did want to address the fact that there's plenty of headlines out there right now. If you Google the story, they all pretty much say the same thing as far as the boilerplate information. Uh, but if you do have any basic questions that you want to ask us, by all means, let us know. We'd be happy to, to jump in. And if it's something we just don't have an answer to, then, you know, we'll, we'll tell you that as well. So in the meantime, I hope everybody has a happy holidays and we will talk more again soon. Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.
Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, Mitch DeWitt, and Keith Ponywaz are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not provide any advice that is investment related, nor should any comments that guests make be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.